everyone. Welcome to another episode of Girls and Gears. I'm Danielle Musto. With me today is Chloe Rudruff, who is a professional mountain biker for the Crank Brothers Race Club. Currently, Chloe is leading the USA Cycling Pro Mountain Bike Cross Country Tour, and we're going to catch up with her, um, find out a little bit about how her season has been going. I suspect it's been going uh, pretty well since she's leading the series, and um also talk about what she has coming up in the near future. Um, if anyone wants to call in with a comment or question for Chloe, please do so. Our number is 646-595-4113. This is my first time talking to her, but so far she seems really nice, and I'm sure she'd love to answer any training questions or nutrition questions or just riding questions um, that you have. So, Chloe, thanks for being on the show, first of all. Hey, thanks for having me on. And congrats um, so far on your season. Um, I, like I said, there's a lot that I want to talk to you about today, but um, I was wondering if you could just kind of tell us how you got to where you are now. I mean, leading the series, when did you start biking, where are you from, if you could just give us a little general background. Okay. Um, well, I guess, well, okay. Um, I've been racing mountain bikes now for 10 years, so that was kind of a big mile marker for me. I'm like, oh, I've been racing for a decade now. Um, and I started young. I, you know, I did my first race as a sophomore in high school and um, just kept with it over the years. I've been patient and, you know, I've made little improvements. I raced through um, college at the University of Arizona in Tucson. Um, and, you know, once I graduated from school um, in 2010, I um you know, I can continue to put the work in. In the last two years since I've been racing with um, Crank Brothers, the race club program, I've been able to race and train full-time. So that's um, a huge opportunity, and um, and I've been really trying to kind of make the most of it. And I think the last couple of years, a lot of, uh, you know, those little improvements I've been making have kind of been starting to, um, you know, show in some results. So it's been a really exciting, fun year. Um, and you know, I've had a lot of support from different people and especially my husband from over the, the last few years. So it's been, um, yeah, it's been uh, it's been fantastic. Nice. Now, I read um, when you first started riding a bike, like even before high school, you started racing your sister when you were in like third grade. Is that <laughs> true? <laughs> you know, it was more it, like sixth and seventh grade. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, you know. <laughs> We, I grew up in Boulder, Colorado, so, you know, cycling was very much ingrained in um, the culture of Boulder, and, you know, I kind of joked that I probably wouldn't have known what mountain biking was if I had grown up anywhere else, so, and uh, and I started mountain biking in middle school, but, you know, and I, I was pretty good at it when I first started, like, at that time, you can keep up with the boys, and, and so that was really fun, I could, and, you know, I was even faster than most of the boys, which was pretty fun, Um but, well, I think you probably um, still are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I'm still Yeah, but go on. <laughs> but uh so, you know, in in middle school actually my mom and dad or you know, my mom kinda ended up saying, you know, we're not driving you so I, I have a twin sister. So we're in the same same grade and when we reached middle school my mom kinda said, you know, we're not driving you guys to school anymore. You're <laughs> you're more or less on your own. So you can take the bus or ride your bike. And, you know, we, we would take the bus some days, but we kind of figured out 
you know, we could get to school in half the amount of time if we rode our bikes. Um, and it was really fun, too. So it was like three and a half miles to school. And, you know, we had our little route planned out. And, you know, being Boulder, it was mostly on bike paths and pretty safe. And um, that's kind of how I started riding every day. And, you know, you kind of discover independence that way. And um, and we, we did. We used to kind of, like, race each other, you know, see who could ride no hands for the longest. And um, I have my – I still have a scar on my elbow from – trying no hands, no feet one day and, like, crashing into some, I don't know, a bunch of gravel. So that was kind of the, I guess, the start of my riding on a day-to-day basis. Now, you said your sister's a twin. Does she, where does she live now? She's in Boulder. Um, she okay. is, yeah. So does, I don't get to hang out with well her. Still or? Uh, n- no, not so much. Um she okay. does have a bike, which she rides occasionally. Um, but a few years ago, she rode up to the top of Flagstaff Mountain in Boulder with me, just kind of, you know, because I, I made her. <laughs> so, you know, I and she's usually, I don't she's a phenomenal athlete. She's a rock climber, and um, so that's kind of been her passion and very different type, and specifically she does bouldering, so it's a very different type of um sport but she's um she's really good at it so we've been you know we're both competitive but kind of in our own realms of of sport okay um another thing i wanted to ask you about was you said in seventh grade i think it was seventh grade your english teacher was married to leonard zen is that <laughs> yeah. correct uh-huh. okay yeah. do you want to just talk about who he is real quick yeah, no, he had a like a group of um, like an after school mountain bike program, um, and then we also had an elective class you could take, which was a mountain bike program. So, um, you know, I was very lucky that um, really to have him around as a mentor. So, you know, he helped me find my first mountain bike and really got me excited about riding. And um, kind of another weird fact: um, the middle school I went to. You guys probably heard the name Peter Stetna. Um, he, we were in middle school at the same time, and then also Mara Abbott. So, all three oh, of us were in this. Nice. Uh, you know, we're in this elective mountain bike program um, at the same time. So, I mean, there, are, which is kind of crazy to think about, but yeah. So that was the Horizons <laughs> Middle School Bike Program. <laughs> That's really cool, too. I was, um, like, comparing my seventh grade experience to what I imagine yours as being, and I was studying, I was in the Science Olympiad, so, like, every day I was looking at rocks and fossils. <laughs> and See, I was that's like, so oh, cool, cool though. <laughs> well, <laughs> oh, I don't know. Yours sounds like so much more fun. <laughs> oh, but, um, okay. yeah. <laughs> Since you've, um, you, you talked about racing in college, and um, I was looking at your resume, and it was like national champion, national champion, national champion. And how many stars and straight jerseys do you have? You know, I honestly don't know. Um, and that, um, the the ones that kind of have meant the most were, you know, the last time I won collegiate mountain bike nationals, um, you know, that would have been um, 2010. So that was a big um yeah, so one collegiate mountain bike nationals, and then I won nationals as a junior U23 racer, and then you know haven't won anything in a little while though. <laughs> okay. But, uh, you, yeah, I mean so, I know I know most people like 
dream about getting like the Stars and Stripes jersey in. I mean, do you have them? Where do you store them? I mean, do you have them in frames or? I was just gonna sound. They're they're in storage in Tucson at at home, but okay. you know, someday I'd be able to. <laughs> <laughs> so they're not all in frames but, above your couch, like Lance Armstrong. Like <laughs> no, they're not. But no. you know, it's. I think, you know, in, in the last few years, I've been working hard enough, and I think the really special one someday will be, an, you know, elite national championship jersey. So um, yeah, that's no. That's I, I I know what you mean. Like I <laughs> dreamt of getting one for so long and 24-hour nationals and then I was like yes I got it and now it's like just smushed in between all of my twin six jerseys and I mean half of it I mean it's 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 awesome and it's great memories but I think the memories are more important anyways you know that feeling that you get when you accomplish something exactly and then the other side of it too um have you tried framing things like framing a jersey is no small thing to do it's actually kind of hard and then um, I'm not very crafty either, so little projects like that where you have to go to Michael's, those are really not my. <laughs> That's not Same what I'm here. good at. <laughs> Same here. <laughs> um, so since you've gone pro, you, did you say in 2012 was when you like made the leap to where you're living like everyone's dream basically like you are able right now to just be a pro mountain biker yeah was that was the year? More, okay 2011 um i've been racing and training full-time since 2011 uh and but i turned pro in 2006 okay how how is it because i know like everyone's like oh it'd be so great to just be able to you know get the right amount of sleep and train but i imagine that Okay, are there any downsides? <laughs> I imagine that it can't always, I mean, it might be the case where the grass is greener on the other side. I mean, or is it just that yeah. You can tell us. <laughs> there's, there's certainly some truth to that. And one of the biggest challenges, I think, is constantly feeling like you have to say, you know, oh, this is the best. I'm living the dream, and I love it. And, yeah, that's true most of the time. But, um, you know, I'm also someone that I, I tend to do really well with with structure. So, you know, I have to then build that structure into my, um, you know, my, I guess my day-to-day schedule. And, um, so, you know, there, and, and then also when you're, you're, you're really putting everything into it, it's, you know, when things don't go right, it's also a lot of, um, you know, it's, it's harder to, to, I guess, um, be okay with that. So, you know, there's a little bit more pressure you put on yourself, I guess. Um, but, you know, and but really it has allowed me, I think, to really focus on some things more completely. And, um, yeah, so, and, and and then also I was, when I, um, last job I had, I worked with um, the uh, University of Arizona Transportation Program, and, and I absolutely loved that job, actually. I was working um, with the Bike and Ped Program, and, you know, it was, wasn't a huge amount of hours. I was working maybe 15 hours a week, but in terms of my level of stress and, you know, I was putting a lot more into it than that. Um, mm-hmm. And that's also something that I have a hard time with. So I tend to go full throttle and I think it's really beneficial for me to be able to say, you know, I'm doing um, this one thing 100%. When so. When you're at home, 
And you're, how many races are you doing this summer? Like, do you have a rough estimate or? Uh, I guess I don't have a number. And, you know, I had a, a break in here, which I didn't really expect to have. Um, but looking forward, I still, the big ones kind of left. Um, the next one will be Subaru Cup for me. And then there's Nationals. And then it's Catamount, St. Anne. And those are really the four you know, big ones in North America, and then after that you have world championships. So I guess there's five more major races. Um, And then I try to do as much local and regional races as I can as well. Okay. So when you are at home and not traveling, what does a normal week look like for you? I mean, how many hours are you putting in? Let's say if you don't have a race that weekend, and then – I guess I'm just wondering, like, what else you do? Like, do you do yoga or do you do any sort of strength training during the summer? Yeah. Um, so for, like, on-the-bike training, I guess if, uh-huh. if there's really not – you know, it really depends on the time of year. Um, this time of year I'm not doing as much volume, but there's more – like, I'm doing more interval, interval and intensity. And okay. some days I'll even go out um, – like twice a day, um, although that's not all that common for me. But um, so I guess anywhere from like, you know, eight to fifteen hours a week. Okay. Probably a good ballpark range. Um, and then you know, if you're racing on the weekends, your vol, your total volume goes down a bit. So. All right. Um, well, okay. Speaking of racing, this weekend, this past weekend, you were in Montana. And you raced mm-hmm. the Hammer Nutrition Missoula Cross Country Race. Um, so when you went into this race, you did really, really well. You got second overall in the cross country race, and then first in short track, right? Yep. Okay. And did I mean going into the race, were you like, yeah, I'm ready? I mean, I feel really good. Or I mean, how did you feel heading into the race? Well, <laughs> you know, I guess you heard the saying, "You're only as good as your last race." Um, uh-huh. And my last race which was in Vail, Colorado, really did not go well for the GoPro Mountain Game. And it was kind of everything fell apart for that one. Um, so so I, I will admit, like, my confidence coming into this race was a little bit um, – actually, my confidence was there, but, you know, you kind of always wonder a little bit. And, um, and I think I had really prepared especially well for it, especially in the, the days prior. So um, – yeah, I, you know, in the end, it, it turned out to be a great weekend, and I'm not surprised by it, but, um, yeah, so I guess it was a nice nice way for things to turn out, so. Yeah, was was the GoPro race, was that at altitude? I mean, that was a lot higher up. Isn't Vail, like, it, how it high was, up is Vail? Uh, I don't, it's like over 8,000 feet, I think, so. Okay. And, and then, the, where, the I'm sorry, where is, you live? Huh? Well, I've been in Prescott, Arizona, which is about 5,500 feet. Okay. So, you know, the odd thing is actually for the GoPro games, I was acclimated for the first time for that race in years. I mean, I wasn't really acclimated for 8,000 feet, but, um, you know, in the past I had come from Tucson, which is 2,000 feet to that race. Mm -hmm. Um, 
and this year. So I, I you know, I, I was pretty ready for it. Although racing at that kind of altitude is, um, it's always hard. It always feels like, I don't know, it's just, you can't really recover from your efforts, and, but it's just a whole different kind. You have to pace yourself really differently. Yeah. I um I uh, raced the Breck 100 once, and it <clears throat> it was so demoralizing just, like, sitting and talking to people. I would feel out of shape because I would, like, have to constantly catch my breath. <laughs> yeah, but and, you, um, and you probably came from Michigan from that. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, it was I mean, yeah. it was a totally insane experience. I, I and But coming back to Michigan was awesome because then I felt like I couldn't go hard <laughs> enough. <laughs> yeah. But um, back to Missoula. When you when you get to the race, like, do you try to get to the race venue like a few days before, or how many times do you try to pre-ride the course? And then what's going through your head when you pre-ride? So for an event like Missoula, you know, this is the third time I've raced the event, and so I usually try to arrive like on a Thursday before a Saturday race. Um, you know, sometimes if you can. You know, if you're pretty confident on the course and there haven't been major changes, it can be nice to actually push your travel date kind of as close as you can so that you can, you know, spend a you know, couple extra nights at home. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, so I arrived on Thursday um, and uh, for Saturday race. Um, and, and this weekend we actually had short track on Friday, which is kind of a good um, opportunity for some openers, so... Um, believe it or not, I only did I only did one lap on the course um, before the race. So, and that's pretty unusual for me. But um, I didn't want to overdo it the day before the race with short track. So I just kept the pre ride really easy. Um, okay. Yeah, and then you know, for more a priority races, like for instance nationals this year, I'll try mm-hmm. to get. Yeah, I'll try to have a couple extra days so that you really have a day where you can train on course and do. Um, some hard efforts and really get a feel for it at race pace. And it's it's uh, also a new venue for us. So, you know, I'm not entirely sure what to expect. Um, you know, in that case, it's, you know, it's good to have the extra day or two so you can be a little more confident, you know. Yeah. <clears throat> is it Nationals is in Pennsylvania, isn't it, this year? Uh-huh. Okay. Yep. I think I've heard rumors that it's, like, Rocky and Rudy, of course, East Coast. Um Which- I you, think it should be East Coast, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> do you prefer, I mean, do you have, what kind of course suits you? Well, you know, I, I, you know, I don't know. I like most, I'm actually, I will be happy racing on pretty much any course, and I'm kind of okay. that way. <laughs> um, but really, I mean, what I'm most accustomed to is, you know what I'm training at, which is Arizona, and it's dusty and dry and and hot, um, so pretty loose. And I'm also used to pretty rugged kind of terrain. Uh, you know, Missoula is very different in that. You know, the the dirt was kind of tacky, and but it's impossible not to love riding on that kind of terrain. Uh, so I I tend to struggle a little bit more in, in humidity, just because I think okay. it's something entirely used to. You know, like where it's just mm-hmm. You know, like you just sweat constantly, and you can't, you know, get rid of it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, 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 and you know, and I haven't, 
had a lot of experience over the years racing in really muddy conditions. Um, I've had a few races here and there, but that's not terrain I ever get to train in. Um, but, you know, I think with mountain biking, it's a lot of times you're, you know, the basic skills to, you know, that you learn to, to ride properly, they kind of apply to whatever train you're, train you're actually riding on. So that's what I tell myself. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of skills, um, uh, I think it was Cycling News. I saw a picture of your teammate, Judy Freeman, like launching mm-hmm. in the air, and it was like Judy takes the A-line. What was that? That was pretty badass, actually. They had this, like, giant jump on course, and it's been there for two years. Uh, and we're seeing this more and more, you know, in World Cup cross-country races. But, I mean, typically it's just like a drop you know, like on a downhill where they cut a notch out of the side of the hill and you've got like a two or three foot drop. But in Missoula, mm-hmm. it's actually, there's a gap. So there's like, you know, a launch and then a landing and then there's a hole in between them, uh, which which is kind of the part that makes me nervous. Um, right. And then there's trees <laughs> everywhere. And they actually, they had all the trees padded and I think it was Peel might have crashed during the race on the jump. And she was great because she apparently she just kept riding it after her crash. But I think she said something like uh, it was probably the best place to crash on course because there were giant pads everywhere. But, um, yeah, I, you know, I'm not entirely confident on that kind of stuff yet, um, but it's something that I realize I have to work on. And, and Judy, you know, she's in Boulder and, Boulder, Colorado has this amazing bike park now, which I'm sure I would have been like been built since I left Boulder, but they mm-hmm. they have all these drops and different courses that you can just that kind of um stuff on. So I mean it's well, really and it app. seems like it seems like with that type of like when you're taking a drop and everything, I mean you have to just mean it. You can't like slam on your brakes at the last minute and decide not to do it and I mean, exactly. practice. Yeah, exactly. And you don't necessarily want to do that during the pre-ride. <laughs> yeah, and and actually, something I I've always been pretty timid. Like I'm pretty conservative and timid a lot of times, and that's something I've really had to work on. Um, I'm not really like an adrenaline junkie. Like I just want to hook off stuff. And I think uh-huh. people assume that because I race mountain bikes, but um, I'm more the like you know I'm kind of more calculating and. Like, you know, I'll stop and look at something and think about it. And this is something that, you know, I've had to work on and just um, be more confident on a lot of high-speed technical stuff. Um, but so tucking off drops is something that I, I have to, like, know that I'm proficient at before I, you know, really can try it in a race situation. Um, but then again, there was a drop in Alpstat, which was a little bit, which was a lot more straightforward and, and I did ride that one, so some, I guess, uh, yeah. a little bit more confident on the lower ones, and then the big ones are still a little bit, uh, has some work to do. And and I know this sounds probably, like, completely backwards, but I would almost rather not know that it's coming <laughs> until the last <laughs> minute, and then I just have to take it. <laughs> yeah, oh, you know, man. some people, that kind of, um, are you... Usually people, I think, that have the attitude come from, like, a skiing background, like downhill no, skiing. Oh, yeah. No. No. I'm, like, the clumsiest person on earth. I um, <laughs> cross-country ski at it, and I can get going really fast. 
But if there's like a downhill, like a little downhill, I mean, I live in Michigan, like something that takes 10 seconds to get down, I crash. Like I can't corner anything. (laughs) Well, it's hard to do on cross skis. And, and, you know, you probably learn how to crash that way, which is another important skill, right? (laughs) That is true. I'll tell myself that when I'm feeling bad (laughs) about myself. Um, With with a short track, it seems like you're always placing really high, like very, very consistently high places. Um, Is that something that you, I mean, do you like short track better than Super D or do you like them all kind of evenly between like Um, cross country races and, you know, the other two disciplines? Yeah. You know, I like to, I just love racing my bike. Um, So, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I really love lots of different disciplines of racing. Short track is, especially fun, I think. Um, It was a discipline that I could be, and I've been competitive in short track longer than I have been in cross country. So I think starting as a younger rider, I had some of the, you know, the power, I guess, to to be really competitive at the end of the race. It was just a matter of getting there. And, you know, in the last, like, three years, I've been able to, you know, I'm, I'm not getting dropped in short track like I used to be. So um, that means I can be there at the end and contest a sprint. And I really like sprinting. It's like a very, like, simple form of racing. You know, you have to, like, pass this person by that line. And, <laughs> you know, and I I think yeah. it's exciting fun to watch. So, um, and it's a little less pressure, too. Um, it's, you know, I think you're, my, usually my attitude with short track is a little, you know, it's kind of like, you know, cross-country is more the, you know, where you really have to focus and short track's a little bit more fun. Um, mm-hmm. So I think maybe that's helped too. But uh, And then, you know, I haven't done too many Super Ds. Uh, so, and I, like, I sat out the one in Missoula. Um, and so I haven't done those as much, but I think they're fun too. So Okay. And with the USA Cycling, um, the cross-country tour right now, I, you have 705 points, is that correct? I think, I think so, I just, something like Okay. I think I just saw that um, posted to Velo News, and it said right behind you was Erica Tingy. Is that how you pronounce your last name? I think it's Tingy. Okay, Tingy. But I don't, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. <laughs> okay, Erica, so yeah. either Erica Tingy or Tingy. Um, and she has 487 points. And then Judy Freeman, your teammate, has 461. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I know you have a few more races, um, but like, I do not want to jinx you. Do you pretty much <laughs> – <laughs> I almost don't want to say it, but do you pretty much have it in the bag, the series title? You know, I don't, um, and I think there, let's see, we've got Subaru, well, Wyndham this weekend, um, Subaru Cup. Are you doing that one? Are you doing Wyndham, you said? I'm not, I'm not doing Wyndham. So this is what makes the series really different this year is that, um, you know, there's a lot of events and I'm, I'm, I think there might be eight. I might even be wrong with that number, eight or nine, but okay, there's a huge number of race weekends and, and, and all your points collected from all of them count. So it's – and then they're also weighted differently, whether or not they're a UCI race or not. So it's kind of difficult to actually kind of figure out what, you know, what kind of points you're going to get where. And then the next window, which I'm skipping, is a UCI race too. So um, I'm not sure if Eric is going there or not. But, um, yeah, you know, and the, there's still three le- races left. And so I don't – I don't – 
think I have it in the bag. Um, I'm sitting pretty well right now with the points, but um, yeah, you know, and I've, I think, you know, I've, I've been more consistent this year than I've ever been. And, and so it's been neat to, you know, and my goal was never to really, my goal coming into the series wasn't to go after the, the Prex CT series, mm-hmm. but, okay. But it's pretty neat actually that, you know, I, I am leading and it's been, I think I really need to see some of the, the press come out of that and just, um, yeah. I, you know, I've never been in the situation before, and now that I am, I'm like, oh, you know what? It's pretty pretty cool. Yeah, I was wondering about that. I was wondering, too, if you also feel, like, a little bit more pressure at all, or? You know, I don't think I'm feeling pressure from that. It's, um, you know, and it really wasn't a focus this year, and so, um, you know, and yeah, so I, I I don't think I mean maybe maybe if it comes down to like the last race or something, but um, mm-hmm. yeah, not so much now. But. When you do race, do you do you and Judy try to work together at all, or do you? I mean, do you have similar riding? I mean, strengths and weaknesses, or are you guys just two different riders? I mean, both fast, obviously, but. Well, you know how, like, Judy, you can both be fast but not ride together because one's faster on downhills, one's faster climbing. and Yeah, you know, one, the, like, short track is kind of a, an event where you can, like, there's some tactics involved and sometimes you can work together. And I think we tried working together a bit at Subaru Cup last year, and there were three of us off the front. It was myself and Judy and Heather, and Heather mm-hmm. ended up winning. So. <laughs> Oh, all that effective on that attempt, but um, it. Well, I'm gonna sneeze here. Hang on. Okay, maybe not. But uh, okay, I was going to say that was a sneeze. (laughs) (laughs) No, I felt the sneeze coming, and then it went. Um, Okay. (laughs) Sorry. And then uh, yeah, and then when it comes to um, and then we've pre-ridden corpses together too. So Judy's pretty. I mean, you can see from. Like her riding the A line at Missoula, she's she's been really working on I think her, her technical descending skills and it's really shown. She's very fast on that kind of. She's a very good de- descender. Um, so you know I can definitely benefit from trying to ride her wheel down certain sections and. Um, so yeah, yeah, I think it's it's good to kind of recognize what you can you know um, pick up from from your teammate. Yeah, um, I was reading your blog a bit, and I saw that you live with your husband, and you have a dog. Yeah, we do. Uh-huh. Okay, and then your husband is also your coach, right? Yep. Okay. Right. Did you guys did you guys meet biking, or how did you meet? Well, yeah, he um, is from northern Wisconsin, a little town called Spooner, and. You know, I grew up in Boulder, Colorado, and we met at a bike race. Well, we met at Sea Otter in California in 2006. Okay. Yeah. So it's funny when we – and then now we live in Arizona. So when we got married, it was like the first question was, what state are we going to get married in? Like there were four different ones to choose from. And so we're pretty, I guess, geographically, you know, we've got – roots in different areas and but yeah so we met through racing and um he's been coaching me since 2007 and 
yeah, he's really good at what he does, and he um, also races pro and has done the – this is kind of the first year he sat out from some of the pro CTs, but um, he's done quite well at them, and I've learned um, a lot from him about being a – just being an athlete, I guess. I was wondering how that works, like having your husband for a coach, because it's basically two relationships in one, like – a lot of times when I have a bad day, like on a bike, I'll take it out on my husband. And, like, I would never, ever talk that way to my coach. I mean, or I'll start crying in front of my husband on the trail. And if, like, my coach were riding with me, I'd, like, ride with probably two broken arms and, like, be like, suck it up, Danielle. <laughs> so I was, wondering if you could t- <laughs> I was wondering if you could, like, tell us a little bit about that dynamic between the two of you. And, I mean, just – how does he tell you every day, like Chloe, this is your workout, or does he shoot you an email? I mean, what goes on? <laughs> um, yeah, we. I mean, you know, like I think, you know, he builds a plan, like you know, usually on a a few weeks at a time, and we, you know, we have a yearly plan that we work on too at the beginning of the year, and sometimes that gets changed, but you know, we work on, you know, he kind of builds a plan, and we we'll sit down and talk about it, and then. Um, and then I actually get in trouble when I ask him on a daily basis, what's my workout today? Because he's like, you have a plan. Look at your plan. <laughs> so <laughs> that's one thing. You know, sometimes I just try to take shortcuts. And um, But, you know, for the most part, it, it's it's worked out really well. And, um, you know, we don't, we don't always train together. And um, that's one thing that's been uh, – you know, sometimes I think it is challenging for us to train together just because he's my husband and my coach and, uh, you know, and of course sometimes we all have bad days on the bike and we'll, you know, like I've, you know, I've cried on my bike before. It happens. Uh, and mm-hmm. so, but at the same time, um, you know, and then there are certain times where we do, like we will have a, a training block together and it'll work out. But um, I'm also like, I'm not, a very type A athlete. Like I'm not the type of rider that if I've got, you know, three hours on my plan and, you know, I come back and then my time's like 2.58, I have to go and ride like down the block and back, you know. And so I think, you know, there's some, you know, and I really trust him too as a coach and like I really believe that he is the best coach for me. And, you know, sometimes Mm -hmm. I think that that's what, you know, it, it takes to work. So, um, you know, just to be confident and in, in the arrangement and you know, and it has been working. So you know, and that's not to say it'd work for everyone, but and you know, it doesn't work the best all you know, hundred percent of the time, but for the most part it's you know, great. So Does um he coach any other females that you race against? Um, I don't Currently, he doesn't. Okay. Or maybe he just yeah. tells you he doesn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, have you noticed, I mean, how has your training changed since you've started? Is it just more like quality over quantity or? Yeah, and, you know, we're actually, like, you know, sometimes we'll even change things up, Um you know, we're kind of experiment with some different things. I've uh, my volume, my training volume has got, gone up over the years, and I think that's 
in part, you know, I've matured as an athlete and can kind of handle more volume. And then, you know, racing training full-time with not running around with classes and all this extra kind of stress, it means that you can also handle maybe a little bit more volume. So, um, but, and then, I mean, oh, and then one of the biggest things this past fall, instead of racing cyclocross, we actually did, um, we worked with the strength and conditioning coach in Tucson. So I was actually going into a gym three times a week um, and doing strength training. And and that was something new for me. And I think it really, and I've, you know, last year actually have, I've had over the years some, some back issues and, you know, a lot of cyclists do. And we mm-hmm. kind of really want to confront that and, and really kind of deal with the issue. And um, it came down to just, putting some time in at the gym and it really has paid off this year a lot do you think that you'll be doing that again this coming year then skipping cross or uh no uh uh-uh. but okay we'll still definitely be incorporating you know a strength routine back in so that's something gotcha. i'll be doing all um probably to a little bit less you know not quite as much but i do want to be racing cross so I'll be out there. <laughs> I um want to quote a little something you wrote in your blog. Um, I can't remember if it was what race it pertained to, but you were saying, um, you said, it's amazing how your brain can dictate the outcome of something before you've even begun. And I was wondering if you think that happens with racing a lot and if you have an example of, like, turning a negative situation into a positive one or vice versa. Um. Yeah, I think I'm trying to think of it was an example. I wonder now now I wanna hint what blog was that from? <laughs> no, it's from it's from your blog. I know, but what what oh. blog post I don't even remember writing that. <laughs> I'm sure I did. Sounds like something I've written, but that's funny. Um, I, I wanna say that it was um oh gosh, it was either Seattle or a race in California. Yeah. Okay, so here's sweet race in California. That's a good cue for me. Um, so at Benelli this year, um, I, uh, you know, I've I've been using the SRAM single, you know, the single chain ring setup, and it's been I've actually really loved it. And Benelli was the first race that I um, had it on my bike, and I actually showed up to the race without any spare chain rings. Um, <laughs> I had you. I was used to Benelli, you know. I've raced there before, and it used to be a real, like didn't have all that much climbing on it. Well, they changed it this year, and literally it was, you know, climb up something super steep, and then you go down a steep. But it was tons of climbing, all really steep out of the saddle. And when we got there, I was like, I went out and pre-rode, and I think I ended up crying that day because I was so overgeared. I felt I was. And I pretty much was, like, decided that I didn't have the right gearing on my bike and it wasn't going to work. And um, I think that's a good situation where TJ more or less made me go out and do another lap and kind of trying to, you know, pretty much told me to take my head out of my butt and just, like, do a lap. Um, you know, don't even think about your, your gearing or chain ring. Go do a hot lap, ride it fast, and um, and it worked. 
like I ended up having a really good race there despite my chain ring and you know it wasn't an issue and it was having you know and had I not you know despite my head and had I not gone out and done that second lap and been able to mentally get it out of my head I think the outcome of the race would have been very different do you do you get I mean do you get stressed still before races or I guess I'm just assuming that you get nervous and stressed maybe you don't oh, I'm yeah. wondering if it's okay has it gotten oh, yeah. easier throughout the years or do you have you found yeah, ways do you do certain things to cope with it or um I don't do yoga to cope with it <laughs> okay <laughs> that's what a lot of people do I'm not really a big yoga fan honestly but uh I yeah I used to get really stressed out and I think that was um, it really impacted my racing. Um, and, I, you know, getting stressed out would mean getting grouchy and maybe not very nice to TJ sometimes or a lot of the time, just generally being, like, on edge. And so I think in some ways I've matured a lot just as an, an athlete by learning how to deal with that. And I, you know, I can't think of any particular things. I think it's just like a different you know, mental outlook, um, just kind of in perspective more and, um, you know, taking one day at a time. So I think mm-hmm. I'm a little better at planning too. So, you know, I, I can get frazzled really quick if, you know, I can't find something or I leave my shoes. And um, so I think I become better at just trying to, you know, trying to prevent that stuff from happening. But, yeah. I mean, but nervousness, I mean, it's something that we all, I mean, and it's not a bad thing. I mean, you you know, you, to some degree you want to be nervous because you're, you know, then you're ready to race. So, but. Nope, I agree. And it often helps me off the start line, you know. I'm <laughs> well, exactly. And, you know, I still get that, you know, like when you hear 30 seconds or 15 seconds and you're on the start line, like, I don't know, you can feel your heart rate pick up and hands get all clammy and I mean it's yeah I mean that that's part of racing that has to happen (laughs) Uh uh-huh one thing that I'm trying to focus less on is the other racers around me um I got into a really bad habit of always like concentrating like you know googling everyone who was registered and then I'd get like these like preconceived notions like well this person's here this person's here they've won this many races like they are going to beat me and that's so not the case when you show up to a race I mean it just depends on your performance that day so yeah (laughs) Yeah. and I think that's something you know I mean that that's really hard not to do but Mm -hmm. um, you know I think eventually it's yeah, I mean, ultimately, it's like you just have to, you know, and that's where you have to go back and think about, oh, wait, what are my goals for this race? Like, what are what's my race plan? You know, what what do I want to accomplish on this race? And it has nothing to do with what anyone else is doing out there. So that's kind of where it's, that's where goals can really help. And, you know, just thinking about what is it that I want to accomplish out there that day? So, yeah. And actually, it seems like you do you go into every race basically with a race plan and several goals. From re- reading your uh, blog, that's what it seemed like, or is it just? Yeah, I I do, you know, and I'm not that organized with them. It's not like I write them down and you know then I have an evaluation session afterwards. I mean, I I definitely <laughs> I'm not that organized about anything, <laughs> but um, no, I mean I certainly do come in with you know and 
and sometimes your history on a course too can kind of help you, um, you know, figure out what it is you have to work on or improve on for that race for it to be, um, you know, a good one. And and Missoula, for instance, like last year when I raced out there, I um, I faded at the end of the. I mean, there's a lot of climbing on that course, and you do five laps, and towards the end of the race, I faded big time. And um, and and this year, it's been. You know, every race I really focus on having a strong last lap. That's been my, my weakness for years. And um, and so, you know, and I was able to do that in Missoula. So, you know, that's something I was thinking about even second, you know, and as Evelyn's, like, kind of chasing me down and closing this gap, and I'm, like, the whole time racing, I'm still thinking, well, you know, I still am going to have it for the last lap. Like, I'm not going to be completely crushed. So that's like maybe one of the little goals I set for myself or yeah. So um one of the questions that I get quite a bit is um from females who are you know, women who are just getting into racing, they're getting faster and they want to start getting sponsors. And you've been on some really great teams. You've been on the Rider Cycling Club, Tokyo Joe's, Luna women's team, BMC, and now you're on Crank Brothers. So, I mean, you definitely have experience dealing with sponsors in the industry. And I was just wondering if you have any advice for people who are starting out. Like, what should they do? You know, they're starting um, to build up a good race resume. So. Uh, I think, you know, I think, hmm. You know, one of the things, it's, it's really not all about your results by any means, especially, you know, like a, a grassroots or, you know, if you're kind of just starting out, it's really not about your results. It's about, you know, being, you know, representative, um, you know, of your sponsors and being an ambassador for your sport, getting people excited to be out there mountain biking and riding. And, you know, in, in any way you can kind of do that, you know, whether it's through, some sort of website or blog or being active through social, like social media is huge now. Um, and, you know, being accessible and just kind of being, you know, making yourself available, I think is important. And then um, what else? And then not to really expect anything either, like not to feel entitled for any level of support. Like it's, it's, you know, there's not, I guess a lot out there and it's, you know, you just, yeah, I mean, you have to, yeah, you just have to show that, you know, you have something <clears throat> to contribute. Um, and it's, no. it's not completely your race resume. It's not, you know, sixth place at this race or, I mean, those are kind of the, the details, so. I've noticed that, too, like with sponsors, it's not so much like I want this, this, and this. It's more like let's partner with this and this is what I can do for you, kind of, you know, like a definitely a, like a, Give and take relationship. Um, yeah, and then I also encourage women to get involved in cycling clubs. Like local clubs mm-hmm. are great, whether you're, you know, you're participating or helping out with clinics. Um, like those kinds of activities are really, I think, um, I mean, I think sponsors love them and they're really fun and engaging. Uh, you can really, you can meet a lot of people that way. It's a great way to get kind of your name out there too. I think so, too. We've started doing that locally, like having women 
like ladies only rides and women clinics and it's so cool to see you know women going out on the trail for the first time and how excited and basically it never fails to amaze me how badass they are i mean taking rocks and roots <laughs> and just like you know like just full of enthusiasm i i mean to me that's almost more fun than racing i mean i love yeah. seeing like women getting excited to get dirty and just have fun on their bikes and it it totally is. Um, this year I had. Have you heard of that Cyclofend Day? Yes. I'm gonna get yep. the date wrong, but so for Cyclofend Day this year, and oh, it was Mother's Day this year, which was perfect. Um, you know, I was kind of new to Prescott, like I haven't been here that long. We're just here for the summer, and um, and I really wanted to do something for for that day, like a group ride, and um, I ended up calling up. A local shop that had you know has done like women's group rides before and and they were great we ended up getting together an amazing group of women and we had like four or five women who had never been on really mountain bikes before and it turned out to be such a fun day but we actually had three generations um we had a grandma out there her daughter and granddaughter and of course grandma was the fastest of the bunch it was pretty cool <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome have you seen, since you started um, riding, I guess, have you seen more women getting into the sport? I mean, how do you think it is right now, like, with racing and riding? Um, it's, you know, it's really, I think women are a great indicator for the general health of the sport. Um, and it's it's really hard if you're looking solely at, let's say, field sizes in the ProXAT. That's a really hard gauge because, um there's such there's so much diversity right now in mountain biking between stage racing and enduro racing and cross country and downhill and you've got all these different you know marathon racing um all these different disciplines so it's really difficult to i guess to really analyze that um my sense is that women are kind of having more of a presence um and i think with you know, I think in, in cyclocross and and really across all the disciplines, you're seeing more. Um, there's there's been more of a push to achieve like equal prize purses at races, and um, so there's I think more attention to some of the inequity in the sport, which mm-hmm. is really good. And yeah, so I mean, I like to be optimistic. I I don't have any numbers to support it, but um, I mean, I I like to think I'm seeing you know growth in women's mountain biking. So. Um, races like the Betty Bike Bash in Colorado. I didn't get to race that this year, but um, they had huge turnout. Of you know, it's a women's only mountain bike event, so um, it's really encouraging to see things like that happening. Yeah, no, I, I was paying attention to that event just because it looks like it could be so much fun to go to. Um, and like you said, with equal payouts, um, I think it's great that there's more races too that are paying equally. Um, one, a few races I wanted to talk to you about really quickly um, is the Triple Crown, um, Ordishore, Shaquamigan, and then Iceman. Are you doing those this year? <laughs> oh, you know I'm, I'm so bummed. I'm I'm gonna have to miss Ordishore because that same weekend as Mount Saint Anne, oh, which bummer. kills me because I love that race. Um, and are you, so have you done Ordishore before? I have. It's it's one okay. of my favorite races just because Marquette is so beautiful. It's 
a different type of racing. I mean, you know, it's like more of a pack racing, but it's, I love it. Yeah, same here. I mean, I just, I love the experience and it's exciting and, um, and you cut like it's fast. That's what's fun. You get to race with the guys and, you know, it's mm-hmm. so, um, yeah, I'm going to miss Order Shore and then, um, Schwamigan. Well, that's World Weekend, isn't it? Sorry, I'm asking my husband a question. Um, I think it conflicts with Worlds <laughs> this year. Okay. I think that might be another conflict. And if not, and then if not, I'll probably be there. And then I'll definitely be at Ice Fan. Awesome. So, yeah. I mean, that, so last year's the first year I did all three of those races in one year. Mm-hmm. And I mean, they're, they're phenomenal races. And I think, yeah, I think more people should travel to them. <laughs> oh, yeah. They're, I haven't but. done Shaquam again yet. Um, I did a fat bike race that I think okay. was, like, on maybe some of the trail there. Um, but I heard that it's really fun. It is. I mean, it's just a really, it's it's a very similar style of racing to Ordashore where it's, you know, it's a group it's a mass start event, and there's just so much good energy. And the Schwabigan Forest is just beautiful. I mean, you're on the Berkey Ski Trail, and, I mean, it's it's a really um, neat experience. And that's just 40 minutes north of where uh, my husband grew up. So it's kind of okay. his hometown race. He's kind of like a hometown hero when we go back there. So it's really fun. That's cool. Do you do yeah. you have a favorite between the three? I mean, is, I know they're all so cool. I don't know how you could pick, but is is um, one a little bit more fun for you, or? Uh, not really. You know, being an Arizona girl right now, I struggle a little bit in the cold. Iceman is definitely last year was a little bit on the cold side for me. <laughs> okay. But, I mean, the the event and, and the energy and all the people that come out for it, especially at the finish, is just you kind of forget how cold you are. Um, oh, yeah. But and people, I mean, there's people who have horrible races there, but once you cross the finish line, I mean, it's all forgotten. The vibe is just so much fun. <laughs> and it amazes me, and I think it's so wonderful that everyone sticks around after finishing their race. Because oh, yeah. of how cold it is. I mean, it's so cold outside, but everyone hangs around <laughs> and watches the pros finish. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I've raced Ordashore the the most of of the three. I guess I've done it three years now, and three or four. So, um, yeah, I mean, but Schwamigan's pretty. I last year is my first year racing it, and uh, you know, a lot of my in laws come up for for it, and it's just pretty. Um, it's pretty special. Just because I married a local boy, it's kind of like I feel like a local a little bit. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's a pretty. Uh, yeah, because that's right around like the cable area, right, of Wisconsin. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's where I was this winter. It was my first time, and I was like, it's such a cool area. Like, I would love to go there for a week just to vacation and around. Yeah. Oh. And it's it's worth it. There's. Um, Rock Lake Trails, there's just a um incredible single track around that area. Nice. Um we kind of have to close up, but I was just wondering if if I've asked this question before, but is there anything that you would like to like pass on to female riders just getting into the sport that you wish you would have known when you started? 
not just with racing, but just with riding in general, like, is there anything you wish you would have known? Um, I don't know. That's a hard one. I mean, I, I've learned so much over the years, but I, I think the biggest thing is to just be patient mm-hmm. and, you know, and it's not this year or never. I mean, like, there's so many women that come into the sport kind of late, but the beautiful thing with cycling is you can you can start late and you can still be competitive. I mean, you don't have to be – you're really not ever too, too old to start or too young. And, you know, the sport just takes time. You just have to be patient and give it time and um, and not expect everything to happen all at once, I guess. So, that is um, that is so true. Um, my mom is in her late fifties, and she has started racing cyclocross, and, and that wasn't awesome. enough. She started taking lessons to learn how to fix her own derailleur and everything. I was like, "You're so cool." <laughs> that is. I mean, that's amazing. Yeah. So, my yeah. actually, my mom might be getting she she might be getting a road bike soon. So, um, <laughs> she told me recently she wanted a, a bike that she could take out and ride on some roads and so she's probably going to listen to those too so anyway mom i think that'd be cool (laughs) (laughs) i agree i agree (laughs) and i i'm sure she'll be fast she uh she probably uh passed down the genes to you so (laughs) before (laughs) you know it she'll be lining up for her first race as well yeah anyways thank you so much for being on the show yeah thank you for inviting me and um yeah Thank you. I um I'll be out at Iceman, so maybe we can meet in person. <laughs> Great, but no for sure. No Schwamigan this year. For me, no. I um I actually am hoping to do the Schwamigan 100. I was supposed to oh, yeah. do it last weekend, and it was canceled. So I think they rescheduled it for September 21st. So okay, I'll get well, like we actually day. there's a chance we might be up there then. At that time of the year. Really? Oh. Mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> well, now I'll follow your blog for sure. And then um, now that we're Facebook friends, if you are in the area, I will definitely send you a message. Cool. All right. All right. Well, well nice chatting with you. Thank you. All right. Yep. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. Well, thanks, everyone, for joining in um, for another episode of Girls and Gears. Uh, hopefully, I'll be back on soon. Have a good night.